Welcome to the Locum Strategist Podcast. I am your host, Simon Parsons, and this is the show where we help physicians take control of their skill set and build a life on their own terms by using locum tenens as a pathway to making that happen. I've got an exciting show lined up for today. We're going to talk about how to nail it on your locum tenens assignment by becoming a master of communication. This is so important. As you know, I get to see a lot of people who are successful with locums and some who kind of get in their own way. And a lot of that has to do with communication. To start off the show, I wanted to share a quote by one of my favorite human beings on this planet. He is the world's greatest investor, but he's also the world's greatest philanthropist. He gives a lot of his wealth away to charity. And he's somebody that I actually met back in 2002 during the Winter Olympics. I, um, I know one of his friends or one of his colleagues who introduced me to the great Warren Buffett. At that time, I didn't quite appreciate how great of a man that person is. And uh, anyways, I do now. I really look up to him. And one quote that I love that he says is the easiest way to become worth 50% more than you are now is to hone in your communication skills. And it's interesting because if you know a little bit about Warren Buffett, he actually struggled with that. But I, I remember one of the stories he told was his the greatest thing that he ever did was learn how to speak. He took a class on speaking and communication and that really helped boot up his career. Uh, why this is important is because you wouldn't believe this, but the number one reason why physicians don't get asked back on locum tenens assignments or they get cut from assignments is their interpersonal skills. This is the number one reason why they get cut. And you would think that it would be because of like clinical uh, issues, stuff like that. That's a very small part of it. The biggest reason why physicians get cut or don't get asked back is because of interpersonal skills, communication skills, not being a good social fit. So we're going to help dust that up a little bit. I think this is a great topic for anybody, me included. Uh, the other thing too is your communication skills also directly impact how you get booked on more assignments. If you're good with communication, you can really get to know the people that make the schedule there and write your own schedule. If, you, if it's a place that you've gone to and you like being there, then there's no reason why you can't get to know the people that are influencing the schedule and put yourself on there and create whatever you want out of it. Another thing too, and I'm going to dive into this, is your communication skills also impact how hard your recruiter works for you. So some of this stuff is self-awareness and you wouldn't really realize it, but that's what I'm here for is to help you see kind of a different perspective and how I can help you with mastering locum tenens work. So before I dive in, uh, well, I want to explain, I've got eight really cool pillars that we're going to be talking about on today's episode. But before we dive in, I wanted to share a quick backstory of how I develop my communication skills. And I feel like I do a good job with this. I've had a lot of success because of communication skills, but really what it comes down to is when I was younger, I didn't think I was going to be very successful in life. And the reason why is because I was told that you always need to, you need to go to school, you need to work hard, you need to get a degree and then work your way up the ladder to be successful. I didn't like school. I feel like I'm a very intelligent person, but I'm just not into learning that way. I love learning. I'm obsessed with learning, but I didn't really like school and I did not want to go to college and pay more money to do something that I didn't like to do. So I thought I wasn't going to be very successful in life. But one day when I was in high school, one of my friends asked me if I wanted to go get a job with him at the Salt Lake Country Club. He had worked there before as a dishwasher and he went 
uh, he was going back to get a job again at the country club and asked if I wanted to join him. And my first job was a dishwasher and I absolutely hated it. So I thought there's no way I'm going to be a dishwasher. Is there anything else? Is there another position <laughs> besides the dishwasher? So the other one was to be a bus boy, which was grunt work as well. And it was very low on the totem pole. But the difference is, is working as a bus boy put me uh, in front of the members there. Very wealthy and successful people very high-performing people, very innovative people, and also very giving people. But that really helped me cultivate my communication skills, starting as a busboy. But then I worked myself up uh, to being a waiter, where I really was interacting with the members there. And then after that, I became a bartender. And as you know, there's probably those nights where people have a few too many drinks after a big, long golf game, and they're hanging out. Well, who are they talking to? They're talking to the bartender, right? So I spent a lot of time up close and personal with some very successful, very wealthy people, very innovative people, big thinkers. And then I moved into leadership. And then uh, the story ends because my boss knew that I was capable of so much more than I ever thought was possible. He had more belief in me than I had myself. And so he gave me two months worth of pay and basically booted me out the door to go figure out things on my own without an education. But I did get some very good social skills and that helped me create my own business and be successful with that. Eventually that failed and then I got into sales. I had no sales experience before and I was actually terrified of sales. I thought that, that, that to sell well, you had to be one of those alpha personalities like Wolf of Wall Street, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio on Wolf of Wall Street. You had to be fast talking and smooth and kind of manipulate people. But what I found is I could be incredibly successful because of my communication skills. And a lot of that has to do with listening and understanding people, right? So I had a very successful career in sales, but then I also started another business where I do a lot of coaching, a lot of consulting, sort of podcasts, but all this boils down to my ability to communicate well. And so that's why this is so important. Now, with that said, let's dive into the eight pillars that will help you master your locum tenens assignments. All right, the first thing that I wanna talk about is your locums rep. So last week I talked about how to find a reputable locums recruiter. Hopefully you were able to listen to that episode, but one of the things I talked about was finding somebody that you vibe with and creating a partnership. One common mistake that I see is that physicians will treat a recruiter like a doormat. They'll be very forceful, they'll be very demanding. They won't realize that it's a partnership and basically be very condescending or talk down or very demanding to the locums rep. Here's the other side of that though. So a locums rep has a choice on who they want to work with. And typically people respond better when you have a good communicate or good relationship with them rather than trying to turn the screws, trying to push people around. But believe it or not, there's a lot of physicians that do that, right? Your locums rep is your ally. He's not against, he or she, or they, <laughs> are not against you. They want to help you with your success. So get on the same side with them and don't you know, have this battle with your locums rep, right? Now, here's the other thing too, is I have a pretty thick skin, right? And sometimes I'll talk to somebody who's a little bit guarded. They may be a little bit standoffish or curt. And some of those physicians end up becoming the most loyal people that I could work with. And we end up having really, really beautiful relationships. But there's others that just really talk down on people and they treat them like a doormat. I'm not motivated to work with those people. 
there's nothing in it for me, right? Because I know that there's other physicians out there that I could be working with that I could have an amazing partnership with. So this impacts your ability to be successful with locums because if you have a rep that is a little bit more successful or knows the game a little bit better, has been around, has the experience, they too are going to want to work with people who they can have a partnership with. So what happens is if you have that attitude where you're holier than now and treat them like crap, then who's left? It's the very inexperienced recruiters or the ones that don't know how to put deals together because that's all that they can get. It's the same match, right? So make sure you treat your locums recruiter well. The other day, here's another thing too that I want to bring, want you to be aware of is it's also a red flag, right? I have, like I said, I have a pretty thick skin, but if the physician is treating me like crap or being condescending, then they're probably going to do that to the staff at the hospital. And I don't want to put somebody into a hospital that's going to treat the staff like crap. I want the person that I represent to do a good job there and treat everybody well. So it's a big red flag. Here's the other thing too, is the other day I had this uh, physician that I was talking with and he just had this attitude like, you better send me these emails. I want them this, like this, this, and this, and they better have the location. They better have the rates. Otherwise they will go in the garbage. And my perspective is like, there, there's no value in here for me. Like I would love to help this person out, but they're getting in their own way. I wish they knew that. That's why I want to talk about this on this podcast is like, I would love to help this person out, but he's just so far removed from being able to create a good connection. And there's just nothing in there for me to want to be able to help this person out because he's just, he's so rude. He's so arrogant, right? So that's that's the awareness that I wanted to bring here in this first pillar is just your locums rep is your ally. They want to help you succeed, so partner with them. Okay, the next thing is, that I want to talk about is your vibe, your frequency, the vibe that you give off because it's completely transferable. Sometimes they call this a bedside manner, right? And that's kind of in, in the context of how you deal with your patients. But also, I think it's very relevant to the support staff. One, um, I always like to think of this. I have this image in my head is if my kid, if I took him in and they had to have a surgery done and the physician came out and he just had, was sweating beads and his eyes looked like were wide open and he looked really nervous, that would make me really, really nervous, right? But if the physician came out and he's just like, hey, you know, here's the situation, but we got this under control, it made me feel a lot better, right? So your vibe is totally transferable. It's not just about how you treat your patients, but it's also the staff. There was one physician that I worked with that literally she, they were, they would describe her as having like the look of a deer in the headlights, just like scared. And it really impacted the staff there. And we had a lot of issues with this. It kept coming up because she, she was very, very, very well trained, but she didn't have that confidence. She didn't portray that confidence. And it, that frequency spread to the team and they didn't feel confident when she was around. So she didn't get asked back and it was something that really became a headwind with her. So I think it's good to understand well, like, what is your vibe? What is your frequency? What are, what emotions are you emitting? Because they're very, very palpable by other people. People pick up on that. They sense it. So I like to think about this when I hop onto a call with somebody or if I'm doing a presentation I always do what's called a vibe check. Before I enter whatever arena that is, I check myself. How am I feeling? Am I positive or am I not feeling engaged? How do I raise my frequency to match the situation? How do I make sure that I go into every call or you know, if it's a podcast, am I in a good state? 
if I'm being interviewed, am I in a good state? If I'm doing a presentation, like what is my vibe like? What is it that I'm going to be giving off? What is it that I'm going to be emitting? So that's a good awareness too. When you first start Locum's assignment or when you show up, like do a vibe check. How am I feeling? What do I need to do to get into a better state if I'm not in a good state? If I'm cranky, if I'm not feeling good, what is it that I can do to put myself in a state? Because that will affect other people as well. So make sure you do a vibe check before you walk into any interaction. I know a hospital can be a very crowded place and sometimes you may be up all night doing something. So that that can be something to be aware of too is like in explaining that, right? If you were up all night doing a surgery and you're not feeling good, it's good to be able to communicate that. Hey, today I'm not feeling that good. I was up all night because we had uh, these emergencies come through. So explain to that, that to the people that you're around so that they understand that. All right, number three is something that I love uh, doing myself, but also I love sharing this tip for other people. I think I even did a quick podcast episode on this um, several months ago, but ask really good questions when you're on an interview or when you first show up. You know, sometimes there isn't an interview involved with a locum attendance assignment. So on your first day, like one of my favorite things to do, I tell physicians to do this, but I also do it myself but I also do it internally with some of the people that I work with is I ask these two questions and it's basically some variation of this. When it comes to locum tenens, you've probably had people working here before that were locums. What was the best experience that you ever had? What were some of the things that you liked about some of your favorite locums that have been here? And then the other question is like, what is, have you had any bad experiences with locums that you've worked with? And these are very, very great open-ended questions because it shows that you care about the facility. It shows that you care about how you carry yourself. And so again, what is the best, you know, what's the best experience that you've had with the locums that you've worked with in the past? Or can you share with me who is your favorite? What did you like about them? And then also, well, tell me about a time where you had a bad experience with the locums because I want to be aware of these things so that I can help you out in the best way possible. Okay, two really good questions to ask. A couple other good questions would be around like culture or the community. What is it that you love about the culture of this hospital, the history of this hospital, or the community? What are you what What do you like most about it? Those type of questions get the other person in a really good state. Talk about transferring vibe, right? So when you ask those types of questions, they feel like you're invested. They feel like you care, but also it allows it. It gives them a doorway to start sharing stuff that they enjoy about the hospital or the community or the setting or the history of that hospital, right? So, anyways, like. Asking really good questions is a wonderful way to get things started on the right foot. Okay, number four is you've got to sense the culture, right? So some cultures, every hospital has a different culture. If you listen to the episode I did with Dr. Omar El-Sheikh, he talks about this. But one of my physicians, he talks about, he's a very, very decorated academic surgeon, triple board certified, but what he'll do is he loves teaching. He loves helping out. He loves giving advice or tips or showing people how to do things. But he also knows that there's a time and a place for that, right? So you've got to gauge things. Go in and have that attitude. Like, you know, is be, be willing to volunteer that if you want to. But also know that some places aren't necessarily receptive. He, he says, like, sometimes I'm just the worker bee. But other times I come in there and people love it when I give lectures or help out and teach stuff. So... Anyways, gauge the culture first. I think one thing that could turn some clients off or some staff or hospitals is if you just go in there and you start teaching and showing people how to do it your way. So sense 
and find out if that's something that is wanted and then be willing to lean into that. Okay, number five is treat everybody with respect. Here's the thing, when it comes to the sports staff, this is kind of the same thing as the recruiter, right? And I talked about that, right? If you're treating your recruiter like crap, you're probably gonna treat the staff like crap. Here's the thing, is when I say that a lot of the re, a lot of the times where physicians don't get asked back on an assignment or they get cut early, being communication skills, most of that comes from the support staff. So the nurses, the nurse practitioners, the anesthesiologists, the CRNA, those type, even like the admins there, right? If you treat them like crap, then they're probably the ones that are going to be the the people that talk to somebody that's a higher up that make sure that you don't get asked back or even get cut from an assignment. So treat everybody with respect. Number six, okay, hospitals, I talked about this a few minutes ago, is that tensions can run high, right? There can be a lot of emotions. Have a plan. You know, what's your plan when things do get tense? Do you have a history of lashing out to people? Because that's another reason, you know, that goes back to the uh, people getting cut from assignments is, They'll lose it, right? They'll lose. They'll let their emotions get a hold of them, and they'll say something that they regret, or maybe yell at somebody. So, what is it like when things get stressful for you? I think it's a good thing to think about this ahead of time. Is how do you react when things get tense or when things get really stressful? Do you have a plan? Do you have a backup plan, a go-to of how to release some of that stress? For me, one thing that I like to do is I like to seek. I call the seek to understand. Okay. So you could just take a break. You can leave the room or whatever, but what is it that works best for everybody's going to be a little bit different. But for me, my go-to is like when things get frustrating is like to seek to understand. I try to get myself into the other person's shoes and granted I'm not in a tense hospital setting. Mine's a little bit differently, but I'm just sharing that I have a, a, a plan when things get stressful and when they get tense is my go-to is like, I try to seek to understand why is the other person doing that or saying that or acting like that? Try to, it gives me some compassion, some empathy, and helps me be more of a listener, right? So have a plan of action for when things get stressful or when emotions are running high. Number seven, I call this know your audience, okay? So <laughs> being more direct about this is swear words, right? So I love swear words. I swear all the time, but I also know my audience. I know when and where to use them. Okay, some cultures of hospital, maybe that's a little bit more liberal. Okay, there's other hospitals where people get offended. But one thing I hear about is when surgeons swear and the person thinks that they're swearing at them, right? So you've got to be aware of that. Again, this comes down to self-awareness is know your audience. Is that acceptable where you're at? If not, maybe be a little bit uh, more aware of what it should be like, what that, what the language is around in that setting. Because every hospital is different. There could be places where swearing is like, even in, on my locums team, right? We're pretty laid back. We're pretty casual, and we aren't <laughs> the holiest of teams. And it, we have fun. We have a lot of fun, right? But we're also very aware of our language that, that could impact other teams. So know your audience, okay? Number eight, the last one is one of my favorite um, quotes. And this I use this kind of in the context of when I'm doing sales coaching or leadership coaching. But I think this applies to anybody, okay? The quote is, talk less, listen more. 
And what happens, you you all know those people that like they just dominate any interaction or or maybe you're talking with somebody and you can tell they're they're just waiting for their turn to respond. They're not even listening to what you have to say, but they're waiting to respond. Or there's people that ju- they just talk about themselves all the time. So a great mantra of mine is just talk less, listen more, seek to understand. Listen to what the other person is saying before you try to say something yourself, okay? It's a two-way street. It's communication is all about listening to other people, understanding them, and then responding, but not not hurrying to respond or talk over the other person or dominate the conversation or suck all the energy out of a conversation. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this episode up. Here's a book that I absolutely love. One of the best books ever written, in my opinion. It's a classic. It was written by Dale Carnegie probably like 100 years ago, but it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Such a great book on communication. I think it's a great read for anybody. So if you're doing locums and you're flying out for an assignment, this could be a good one to put on your audiobook playlist or to grab to read on the plane or whatever. How to Win Friends and Influence People, written by Dale Carnegie. Okay. Also remember, I'm going to drop a link to the locum, the Ultimate Locum Tenens Playbook, which is a 24-page PDF with all kinds of cool case studies, tips, tools, and tricks for you to be successful when it comes to locums. Make sure if you are a vascular general or trauma surgeon, if you want to set up a 30-minute free strategy call with me, you can do that by dropping into the links below as well. Or if you want me to put you in touch, with, if you're not a surgeon, but you want me to put you in touch with a reputable recruiter, I'm going to leave my email address in there as well. I also would love to get feedback from you. If you have topics or questions that you'd like for me to discuss on the show, please send them to me. The last thing I'm going to ask for is this only takes a second, but if you're on Apple or Spotify, please, if you've enjoyed this content, please pull out your phone and just drop some stars. It only takes about five seconds to do if you've listened to an episode. And then if you know somebody else who would get value from this, please share it. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next episode.